Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. It's mighty name. Amen. Go ahead, ushers, if you would. I just want to read a couple of scriptures to you. And um, as before we get started here, um, my first speaker is going to be the Reverend Rick Lovold. <laughs> Did you go look online to see the order? You didn't. Oh, so it's a total, total shock. <laughs> we are going to hear from six different gentlemen uh, this morning. Uh, these are, um, you know, I was thinking about it. I said, Lord, who do you know? Because I felt like the Lord wanted me to do this. He said, pick some of the faithful men to share. And so I was thinking about Acts 6.3. It says, therefore, brethren, seek out among you seven men of good report, this case six, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Amen. So that's what I was looking for. It says this in Acts 10, 22. And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, one who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nation of the Jews. Acts 16, 1 says this. They came to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed... But his father was a Greek. Verse 2, he was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. So in other words, I tried to pick men, not all the men. I know there's a lot of good men in this church that were good men that well spoken of. Amen? And they have a good reputation. So uh, would you help me welcome Rick Lobold first, please? I heard a bark. (laughs) <laughs> I only need to leave that. All right. Can't mess with that. Well, praise God. This is an opportunity. The only bad thing about the leadoff, you can't take notes from everybody else and then bat, bat clean up. <laughs> um, this, um, this Father's Day is kind of an interesting day. This is the third one without my dad. Um, he passed away in 2017 and and I was thinking about something the other day when uh, Herb was, was speaking out of Deuteronomy 4, and I'll read the scripture he spoke. He says, only take heed to yourself. I read in the Amplified. Only take heed and guard your life diligently, lest you forget the things which your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your mind and heart all the days of your life, and teach them to your children and your children's children. You know, we as men have a, have a mandate on our lives. I don't think we really realize it. I think we oftentimes kind of blow it off to, you know, well, I'm just a dad. But there's a mandate in here to teach our children and our children's children. And this morning as as I was praying and seeking about this, he took me to uh, Ephesians because I had a different way I was going, and and he does this to me once in a while. But he took me to Ephesians 5. And this was a mandate for husbands, okay? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify her by having cleansed her with the washing of the water of the word, that he might present the church to himself as a glorious splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and faultless. And even so, husbands should love their wives as being, in a sense, their own bodies. He who loves his own life loves himself, for no man ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and carefully protects and cherishes it as Christ does the church. Because we are members and parts of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. The mystery is very great, and I speak concerning Christ and the church. However, let each one of you, each man of you, without exception, love his wife as being, in a sense, his very own self. And let the wife see that she respects and excuse me, references her husband, and that she notices him, regards him, and honors him, and prefers him, and venerates and esteems him, and that she defers to him, praises him, and loves him, and admires him exceedingly. And I've got a wife that does that. Thank you. But what I was getting out of this is my dad wasn't the most affectionate guy you'd ever run across. He was pretty much solid Norwegian. Pretty stoic, didn't let his emotions out too much. Um, But he did something that was important to me. He worked 
two jobs so my mom wouldn't have to work outside the home. A lot of you guys don't think too much of that, but see, my mom was home there every day when I came home from school. My mom was there on the weekends. My mom was always there. If I was sick, she was home. She didn't have to make arrangements. She was there. My dad worked two jobs for that, which means he wasn't around a lot for me. My dad never played sports. He never went to town before the age of, I think, 18 or 19. First time he ever went to town. He didn't know how to play baseball. He couldn't play catch with me. Um, my mom tried. <laughs> That's how I learned to throw like that. <laughs> but he, he loved me, you know. He loved me even though he wasn't the guy that would come up and give me a hug around the shoulder and say, son, I love you. You know, you're doing good. But he worked so that she wouldn't have to. So I had a home to go to every day. He was there solid for me. And I think too often we forget some of these things because he loved my mom that much. He loved my mom that much that he worked those jobs. He picked up slack wherever he could. So she was always home. And she didn't have to go out and make that happen. Now what that's done is that because he showed that love when Luann and I got married, one of the things, of course I wasn't thinking about this because I wasn't born again at the time, but as we got on in time, I found that I was living my dad's life. I was working two jobs. I found jobs that kept me busy so that after our first child came, she could be home. And so she was a stay-at-home mom, one of the hardest jobs in the world. I don't care what anybody says. Um, but I looked at this after I got saved, and I saw my dad in here, in that he loved her so much. He couldn't, he wasn't a person that could really um, affectionately tell her that, but he showed her. And I was thinking of something of the day I heard that uh, people will only hear 10% of what you say, but they'll watch 100% of what you do. And so I could be up here and you'll probably pick up only 10% of what I'm saying. I hope you pick up the good 10%. <laughs> but the thing is, when he talks about loving your wife, that's the one thing that I wanted to show my kids. I wanted to show them a loving husband so that my daughter would look for a loving husband. And when she married him, I wanted him to see a man who loved his wife. And when my son got married, I wanted her to see a loving husband who came from a dad who loved his wife. I wanted that legacy to go on and on and on. And the thing is, we do it by showing it. And we have to show the love of Christ in our lives. I have to show the love of Christ towards her, which is sacrificial, working the extra time, doing those things, spending the time. These things are important. And these are the things that I wanted to pass down to my kids. I wanted to see this, when it talks about teaching to your children's children, uh, we were talking, uh, Herb talked about altars that were set up and memorials that were set up by the Jews. They set them up when they crossed the Jordan, say, we crossed the Jordan here. They set them up across the Red Sea. We crossed the Red Sea here. Jacob set one where he saw the ladder of God with the angels going up and down. He set a stone. Samuel set a stone of Ebenezer. He called it the stone of help. These things they could always look back to and look back to and say, that's where it happened. That's where it happened. That's where God was faithful. And the one thing I want my kids to see is that that's where dad was faithful. That's where mom and dad pulled together. That's where dad made a decision. That's where mom and dad worked together on this. I want those to be signs and Ebenezer's in our life, that stone of help that's in our lives. I want them to look and say, yeah, I remember when mom and dad did that. You know, we used to sing going up to Big Sand because it was three and a half, four hours to get up there. And kids in the back seat screaming and whatnot was not as much fun as singing. <laughs> so, and back in the day, we, when they had the choruses, you remember all the choruses they used to sing? We would sing going back and forth. And I remember those times. You know, the kids don't mention them much, but I know they're in there. I know they're in there. They remember those good times. 
And as I was thinking about loving my wife and loving my children to stand in that place, when we as men, when we love our wives totally, completely, we're showing our kids that we love them. And they know it. And they stand on that firm foundation that we call when we stand on the firm foundation of Christ. You know, he says that we have that foundation and we build on that foundation. That's what we do. Our kids are what we're building on that foundation. And they're moving on. And so, as I was looking this over and I was thinking about these memorials and these altars and these things, (laughs) they do remember things. And they do bring them up once in a while. I know I was asking Jared one time, he was getting a little tough on my grandson, Aiden. And uh, he says, you know, getting kind of tough. He says, son, come on. I mean, isn't that a little tough? Where'd you learn that? And he looked at me, he says, you. (laughs) They learn. But we, (laughs) I don't want that to be the one thing he learns. (laughs) But anyway, the... um, the scriptures, like I say, that are for us, that we stand firm on those strengths of being a father. Pastor only said I had five minutes today. I was going to go 30, but. <laughs> um, those scriptures that we stand on, those are the things that we build our marriage on, and as a dad and a father, we pass on to our children. And it's the thing that they're going to pass on to their children's children, our children's children. It's a legacy. And men, we bring a legacy. That's what we're supposed to do. At the end of days, I want my kids to look back and say, yeah, dad was a man of God. And this is where we're at today because of that. So one thing, if you're a man here that's never accepted Christ, I hope at the end of this you will. Because that's when your legacy starts at that time. Thank you. Awesome. So, I know this is a little bit different, but each one, listen for the nugget. So, uh, this is how I just saw it as Rick was sharing. Uh, Josh, I'm just going to leave this on. I'll let you, okay. But, um, faithfulness is like a storehouse of wealth inside of a person. So if you're going to give the wealth the substance, let's just say it's gold nuggets. So out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? There was so much that was said right there. So pay attention. Each one, like I said, I prayed about this. The Lord picked each one. And so um, listen for those things. And so without any further ado, Reverend Mike Hill. Well, I'm glad Rick went in front of me. Um, No, I think you'll see it. I I wrote it down. It's quick. It's brief. It's not even a joke. I know I watch everybody like, yeah, no, no, we'll be good here. Um, The beauty of it is the patriarch has gone before. And so um, with that, you know, I can bow to the wisdom. But so here's how the Lord has it for me. This is what he had me. I wrote it down. Some people may not know some of these things, but you know what? Exposure does well for us. Um, and so there was uh, years that I actually wanted to be a father. And, and, uh, and so Jody and I, we went just over two years. It was almost three years where we were trying to have a kid. Um, we'd been married for almost five years at that point. Uh, we were trying, and so every month you develop a routine. If anybody's ever tried to have children, there's a monthly routine in that. Um, and so as, you, as that goes on, you know, and so we, we found out that every month, though, would end with the same result. There was a dash on a stick. Um, and then um, sometimes when you're, when you're looking at that, you know, those things are sitting there, and then you would, so you would read and study a little bit on fertility and things like that, and then you would incorporate a new routine into the same old routine so that you could get a different result because we wouldn't be insane about this. We wanted to be parents, okay? Not the same old thing over and over again, 
with expecting a different result. Now, the part of over and over again was what was next because it'd be like, no, that stick was alive. This one must be the truth. No, this, and when you have three or four and they all say the same thing on the table, you realize that, hey, whoa. I mean, we were about to take up stock. I, would have, I was tired of throwing away money on those things um, because I thought at least I could get a return on the dividend if I took up stock in pregnancy tests. Um, but, you know, you have, how many did it take? 20, 30, 40? And in the course of this, in the course of my wife and I, laying it down and looking in and praying it over to become a father. See, I had a desire that formed. That desire formed. And I went, what is it? And I prayed about it. And I just wanted to believe God because I had an interest not only in having a child, but I had an interest and a desire to know my father. I wanted to know him intimately because I wanted to crawl into his shoes to understand it from both aspects of where, not only what his love was to me, but how his love was through me. And that I could release the same love that I was experiencing from him. And that, that I could grow in this. And so for me, it started to become a, 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 an entire thing on the inside of me that I wanted to see closure in a, in a way that he was opening up an expanse of what fatherhood would be. And so I had a desire to become a father. But it wasn't just about having a legacy or a child. It was to know him more. Because how else could I know somebody who I would call my father who art in heaven? My father. I, I wanted to know him on a relational level. Not just in an intellectual level. Not in a way that I knew that my physical father. But I needed to know a father that had created me. Designed me purpose me, plan me, put me in a place right here, right now, that I could be what I was to fulfill me. And he called to me. And, and in that, we desired my wife, and we just wanted to know God in the context of a family relationship. And so we had a desire to know my father. And then I'm learning as I'm going through this, I'm learning child by child, day by day. Not each one's the same. Relationship upon relationship, each one individual, each one purposed, each one with pointed accuracy towards a purpose. And so I'm starting to learn of who my father is and what a father does. And I'm starting to learn the things. My desire to sacrifice, to provide, to protect, to chasten, to love. This is a father. That I, that, that I know what it is that would grieve him because things grieve me. You're going about this the wrong way. I just want to help you. I just want to help you. Leave me alone. I want to do it my way. I start to see what it is to be a father. And I understand what it's like to be rejected when you love. And I understand what it is to be accepted when you give. And what it looks like when somebody wants to crawl on your lap and when you're trying to pull someone on your lap. And there's a thing about being a father. See, what I want is that when he looks at me, he says the words that we all say and desire. Well done. Well done. And see, there's not a person in here that didn't come from a father. I mean, they may have been absent. They may not have been there. But a father created you for this time and this place. And God purposed us. And you know what? It doesn't matter because he's our father. 
And that's a relationship that must be formed within us. That's a relationship that must be known. Because without that father, all others will fall short. And so, to find the intimacy of perfected love, full, mature, and lacking nothing, this is is my desire for fatherhood. And I can say that God has not disappointed in the least. I'm learning the love of God in both directions. To receive it from him as my father and to release God's love as a father. And so what I would like to say on Father's Day is thank you, Father. Thank you. Because his faithfulness to me, his child, his faithfulness to you, his child. The family is great, brother, sister. The family is great. And that may I continue to be thankful as I am who I am, a part of my father. You're a walking representation of who he is. You're seed of his seed, spoken from his mouth, created for a time. And so this is the the expression of time is your existence now. Express the Father and get to know Him. Happy Father's Day. Amen. All right. I love this. It's each flavor. Welcome to Baskin Robbins. You're about to... (laughs) So next, I would like to invite Dale Rongholt. If you would come, sir. And minister what the Lord has given you. That's kind of a tough act to follow, isn't it? You get you get the patriarch, and then you get the assistant pastor, and then you're supposed to follow him, huh? So. <laughs> what I'd like to share with you a little bit is about. I'm going to tell you a couple stories. One is uh, being fathered as a child, and one that I fathered with a granddaughter. And they basically had to do with being patient and forgiving. And the first one, I'll just give you a title. We'll call it the uh, Cinnamon Rolls, okay? We, were, we lived down on in the south end of town down there next to a dairy farm. And my folks were getting ready to uh, go to town, and they had invited some guests in for dinner that night. So my mother had baked these cinnamon rolls. And these cinnamon rolls, of course, you know how cinnamon rolls smell in the house. They're real good. So I don't know if any of you remember the A&W used to have them gallon jugs with a little hook in it. Well, his dairy farm was down the road, so Dad, he handed us a couple of jugs. He says, you guys go down there, he says, and get some of those uh, gallon of jugs of milk, and then we'll be home. We're going to the grocery store, because we got company coming tonight. So we'll say, okay. So we grabbed the jugs, and, and I heard, heard uh, Dad tell Mom, he says, lock those cinnamon rolls in the freezer, because if you don't, you know what's going to happen to them. So... <laughs> So she says, okay, I will. So she puts them in the freezer, and uh, t- they take off, and we go down to the dairy farm down there and pick up a couple of gallons of milk, and we get home, we smell them cinnamon. Well, I had a brother who was kind of known as a, he could pick a lock, you know. <laughs> so he, so he uh, says, I can pick that lock on that thing. I says, well, do what you think you can do. So, so, so he gets in there, and he picks this lock, and we open up this and they're still fairly warm, so we ate half the cinnamon rolls. You know, and she had some tin foil over it, so I said, what are we going to do? So my brother, he threw the dish towel in there and put it back over the top and shut the drawer back up, you know. And we got, my folks got back home, and uh, they got back there, and they, dinner people showed up for dinner, and we got, we got the supper all done, and they said, well, the dad says, well, why don't you get them cinnamon rolls out, honey, and we'll have them cinnamon rolls. So she go, opens up the thing, and and I was sliding down in my chair. <laughs> and I said, put them in the oven. Oh, my God, that, that dish doll will probably start on fire. <laughs> you know, just gonna stick it in there, and she slides it in there, and I'd be sitting there, and pretty soon they bring it over there, and she peeled that tinfoil off, and there we went, oh, Dad. Man, he looked at us three boys because he knew where it came from. You know, I, I thought I'd had it, you know, and my dad was unbelievably patient sat there and got the stuff out and everyone else got cinnamon rolls but us three boys we didn't get any but, 
And he, so they sat down there and he got done and got all done. You know, that time frame that we were sitting eating those cinnamon rolls was probably one of the hardest lessons I ever learned in my life, sitting there facing those people. Dad was very patient. He said, we paid a price for it later on, too, but, <laughs> but, it, but it was good. But, so that's deal, dealing with patience. And the other one was when I was probably in my 35, 40, something like that. My, uh, I was older than that, even. I was a uh, grandfather with, with my uh, granddaughter, Alyssa. I was in my 50s, probably. My youngest daughter, Micah, had come up and asked me if I'd watch Alyssa that day. And I said, yeah, I can watch her. I'm putting in a propane line. But I took her home, and I was out there digging this propane line in the house. And she was playing on the deck there with a swing and stuff. And she says, Grandpa, she says, I want to, I want to go to the bathroom. I said, well, go ahead. Go on in the house. Go to the bathroom. Then, and, and, but don't get in anything. She, come, she comes walking out, and she's got these big box of crackers. She's eating these crackers. I said, where'd you get them? She said, oh, I found them on the floor. She said, let laying there on the floor. You know, <laughs> I said, well, you take them back in the house and you put them away, I said, and, and when you come back, you just sit there until you can tell me the truth. You know, so I'm out there digging on this line and looking at everyone's phone. She won't say a word to me. You know, and finally, after about 45 minutes, she says, Grandpa, she says, uh, I you know, she says, I think you might be right. She says, <laughs> you know, she says, I think you might be right. You know, she didn't find them on the floor. Yeah, I never, I don't think I won that battle, but I ended up, we went up and had lunch. So. so it gives you an idea of what I really feel a father has to be very patient when you're dealing with kids and stuff. It's something that I've learned. And it never stops. You know, uh, truth of the matter is, I found out that you really can't father until you are being fathered. You can't. Can't be done. It happened to me in uh, 1967. Uh, Vietnam, when I gave my life to the Lord uh, on Christmas Eve on the Bong Song River, believe in a barn. Uh, but I got to stop it there because that's a rabbit and I'd be chasing him. So I'd, I'll end up with that. I can't, I, can't be, I can't be doing that. So, But I got a new spirit that day. But what I found out in my life is that the old spirit, he comes back all the time trying to haunt me, trying to come back, and I'll end up leading off it. So my word is to fathers is that if you're going to win that battle and you will win it is that you have to be continue to be fed you have to have what Sean had been talking about that secret place it's some place that you have to go all the time you have to be there you have to have a relationship it's like being married you can't go to, how would you like to be married to somebody and show up on Saturday I mean Sunday and on Wednesday evening or something and that's it wouldn't work too good and the more your father with him the greater the father you'll become and it's something that I said really really helped me in my life I think about some of the people in the scriptures like David who, uh, you know, when you look at his life and stuff and what he did, he was a terrible father. Really, when you look at what he did, he was so tied up. But he had one thing that he was doing. He was continually being fathered by God. And because of it, he was always asking for forgiveness. It was a tremendous thing. So hope for you fathers is this. You're not going to be perfect. You're going to make mistakes. But guess what? being fathered, you'll get through it. They'll take care of you. So I hope I've given you something that will help you. And Thank you. So good. So good. You know, uh, I don't know, I think it was Mark Twain said, when he was 16, he was amazed at how dumb his father was. By the time he was 21, he was amazed at how much his father had learned. And I thought about that quote when you said your granddaughter said, you know, Grandpa, I think you might be right. <laughs> I, I want to say this. If you come here and you don't know anybody else, you don't know these men, you don't know these stories. That's why you need a church family. I know what they're sharing, I've heard. I heard the testimony about uh, Vietnam and why, because we're around each other. What the first three and the last three are the same, men that are, that are sharing, they've all spoken into my life, every one of them. Now, I don't always go, you know, make a big deal at that moment, but what happens is there's that impartation, there's that impartation, whether through action or the 10% speech. <laughs> so, without any further, I am going to dig the sound man out of the sound booth.
And just to bless him, would you welcome Josh Meeks with me? I don't know what's going to happen to the sound at this time, but it's all you, brother. Got a team back there. Yeah. Um, so I got to give props to my dad. Um, I learned uh, early on uh, what the word I can't means. It's not in my vocabulary. So my father, if he didn't know it, we're going to learn it. And that's why I don't understand I can't anymore. Now, with that, learning who my spiritual father is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens yeah. me. On the side of that, now I'm starting to learn what no means. Because you want to make sure that that door is open for you to walk to. Because I, I can't attitude does get me in trouble sometimes. And I've gone places I shouldn't have done. Or got myself into projects I shouldn't have started. So... Through that, um, I wanted to talk about certain things. Lord had, again, another uh, different direction. I wanted to talk about uh, David's mighty men. Lord had a different answer for that and took me down a different path, what, which feeds back from our Saturday men's remember, months ago about uh, taking care of our house. And I want to start out uh, in Scripture. Um, I don't know. i got to put my notes here. I had to pick and choose and sort through my notes back there because I was thinking, ooh, five minutes. This is going to be rough. Um, and I didn't grab this verse right away. Um, oh, here it is. Here it is. Um, Mark chapter 3, um, verse 27. talks about Jesus. And I want to get this into us men as, as we lead our family. No one, enter, no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man and then he will plunder his house. Jesus did that for us. He went down to hell. He plundered Satan and took the goods and they distributed them to us. So men, let's stand at that door. Make sure we're the first guy he meets that he's going to try to get in our house. And the Lord's been teaching me that because, man, this is no reason why I didn't want to talk about this. I'm still learning and growing to be a father and a husband. And man, I make some mistakes. I got a wife that'll attest to that. <laughs> uh, but the Lord is starting to get that grit in me, that grit that I can't take, I can't mentality to, okay, I'm making mistakes. Let's learn from them. Let's get back up and let's, let's go forward. So the Lord was taking me down this path. Okay, how do, how do I do this? How do I take care of this home? How do I stand at the front door? So then he took me to Isaiah Chapter 5, verse 2. I'm going to read this, uh, how the Lord was talking uh, about his, his people. And the vineyard, I'm going to use this in, you hear the word vineyard, men, think about your home. So let's start reading. So he dug and trenched the ground and gathered out the stones from it and planted it with choice vine, choicest vine. I'm in the Amplified, Sorry. And built a tower in the midst of it, and he hewed out a wine press in it, and he looked for it to bring he looked for it to bring forth grapes, and he brought forth and it brought forth wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge, I pray you, between me and my vineyard, my people, says the Lord. What more could I have done for my vineyard that I have not done it done in it? When I looked for it to bring forth grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? So I tell you, and I, now I tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedges, and it shall be eaten and burned up, and I will break down its wall, and it shall be trodden on down by enemies. And, while I, and I will lay it waste. It shall not be pruned or cultivated, and there shall come up briars and thorns, and I will command the clouds that they will, they will rain no rain upon it. So I broke this apart. Men, Lord's given us some ground. What is yours? Me personally, he gave me a wife, and he's given me beautiful children as well. And I've got to put a hedge around it. Let's dig a trench. Let's tell the enemy, no, you're off limits. This is my wife. This is my children. You've got no authority here. This is mine. Let's stand at the door. And I had to, I had to pick the ground. There's a lot of rocks in it. I want, to, I, want to start, I want to start planting good seed in my marriage. I want to put, plant some good seed in my children. I want to get things going in my house. Well, for the past few years, I've planted some bad seed, had to, rocks, had to get the rocks out, plant some different seed. 
had to put a fence around it. So he trenched the ground and gathered up the stones. The trenching, in the old way, they built the trench and they also built, um, I don't know, it's like a hedge. And then in the noun it says a fence or a boundary formed by closely growing bushes or shrubs. They had different layers of defense. A lot of times it was the hedge, a trench, and then a wall. And a lot of times they picked those, uh, those rocks out and threw them, built that as a wall. Let's start there. Make sure if, you, if you're not starting somewhere and you're going to just start building this marriage or raising a kid without a wall, man, we're in for it. Scripture talks about the, the uh, foxes will ruin the vineyard. We got a vineyard. We got a home. Let's protect it. Let's start right off on the, on the good foot. Because foxes, I've let a few of them in. Again, stand at the door and make sure you're paying attention, getting in the throne room and listening to the Lord. Like, hey, is there things that I need to pick out? What's going on here? Because, man, foxes are horrible things. It talks about in Scripture. I, don't, I haven't seen a good thing talked about what foxes are. The first one that the uh, Lord brought up to me was in uh, Judges 15. Samson was trying to get back at the Philistines. I don't know how he gathered 300 foxes, I think it says, and tied their tails together. That was the spirit of God, or maybe there's years, years that happened. I have no idea. I've done some trapping in Minnesota, and that, that takes some work. And, man, he'd, he set the torches on their, in between their tails and let the foxes go into the standing grain of the Philistines and burned up the shocks and the standing grain as well as the vineyards and the olive groves. We personally are going to let foxes in through our thoughts, our words, and our actions. Satan is prowling around that fence all the time. Scripture talks about he's walk, he wanders the world as a roaring lion whom he made to devour. Man, we've got to make sure that that fence is kept up, that we're sowing good seed, because you're going to let a fox in, not even through the walls or anything, just out of your own mouth, in the middle of the vineyard and set a fire. I've set my house on fire many times through some of the words that, that came out of my mouth. And, oh my goodness, let's not do that. Let's, let's let the enemy, if he's going to attack, let's hit, let's hit him there. Um, it goes on to say, what kind of seed? My words. How am I speaking about my wife? How am I speaking about my children? How am I speaking about the things that the Lord's given me? A lot of times you want to look at our neighbors. Oh, they got a nice yard. Or, or oh, if I had a different wife, she would love me. Blah, blah. I mean, we've got all these thoughts have come to our head. Out of the overflow of the mouth, out of, out, of the, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. What are you storing up? What are you meditating? Because you're going to tell on yourself. I tell on myself all the time. We all do it. So make sure what you're meditating on what are, you, what are the, so, the seeds that you're sowing in your marriage, in your children? My goodness. And pay attention. Um, i got to share a story. Lincoln has just recently came up with some Legos. And he's formed some crazy things that look like he, an absolute, looks just like a turtle, looks like a scorpion. The last few days, I'm like, I'm, normally I've been just playing it off, but like the Lord's trying to tell me something. There's a gift in him. Help water it. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, man, I gotta start, I gotta start paying attention to giftings that the Lord's put in my children. So that's been uh, a revelation the last couple of days. He planted the choices wine and built a tower. What is a tower for? We're watching that get out for the enemy. The Lord revealed that to me in the sound booth this morning. That tower is the throne room. As you're spending time in the throne room, you're seeing the enemy coming out. I was like, man. That is so good, Lord. Thank you for that. Because you're not always going to see what's coming through the front door in the natural. When our, our enemy is not with flesh and blood, it's in the spirit. We've got to take him out there. And if you're spending time in the throne room, man, the Lord is going to reveal things to you. And he did, uh, I don't know, a side nugget here. Yesterday, I had my headphones on, my earmuffs, and I was doing some weed eating. I opened up the gate. And somehow I must have, I didn't see the nest. There's no, still no nest. And all of a sudden I heard uh, hornets or something buzzing above my head. There's no way I could have heard them. I had those earmuffs on. I looked up. They were several feet above my head. And I'm thinking, wow, thank you, Lord. Thank you. The Spirit revealed that to me. I was unaware, just doing my thing. And you're spending time in the throne room. The Spirit's going to keep you attentive. He's going to 
through grace, that was just pure grace. Got myself in a pickle. I wasn't paying attention. But I've been spending time in the prayer room. Thank you, Father. And I built a tower in the midst of it and hewed on a wine press. Marriage, family, kids, it's a long run. We've got to start preparing for the long run. A vineyard, it says, I looked up some research on vineyards. They can last up to 50 to 100 years if they're take, well taken care of. My marriage and my children are going to last because I'm going to sow it. I'm going to water it. I'm going to take care of it. Also says, some of those vineyards don't start producing until five years later. Boy, we got some perseverance ahead of us. Lord, come on. (laughs) Spankings aren't working, but I know it's coming. In faith, (laughs) I'm going to get correction. Uh, Me and the wife talk about this all the time. It doesn't seem like it's working. The word works. Come on. We got to stand in faith, man. That's the wine press. And he looked out for bring forth uh, grapes, and it brought forth wild grapes. If you don't like your harvest, change your seed. Change your words. Change your actions. I'm not all there quite yet, but, man, I'm working with my wife. We are, we're getting there. I've got, uh, man, if you take anything away from here today and you think, man, that you're going to go home and start changing your wife and your kids, you did not listen. <laughs> it starts here. It has to start here. If you're going to lead, we've been called to lead, you start with yourself. And man, I've been pruning and pruning and pruning. It hurts, uh, but let's prune some garbage. It's, oh, it's always a p- easy to pick off the dead things. Sometimes we need to pay attention. Well, this is producing a little bit of fruit, but let's chop that off and go a different direction. The Lord, listen to the Lord, and he'll lead, and he'll lead you in the direction you're supposed to be going. There are some creative things that we've done in our marriage and in, in discipline that doesn't make sense, but Lord, hey, he knows it. He knows my children better than I do. He knows my wife better than I do. And he knows how I need to love her, how I need to love my children. And he's got the answers. So I want to leave you with that. Take care of that vineyard. Sow it, water it, and stay focused. Amen, amen, amen. Hey, Josh. I'll let you take that. You get it later? Okay. I got his notes now. <laughs> um, so, man, that was good, wasn't it? You might want to listen to that later and break it down even more. Take some notes. Um, so next is, most of you know my father's in heaven. Did you know that? And I'm not talking about God. <laughs> I'm talking about Glenn. <laughs> So he's in heaven, but I do have a great father-in-law, and Terry, would you come, and uh, would you welcome him with me? He's been a good dad to me, too. Oh, <laughs> There you go. Thank you. Um, anyway, uh, <clears throat> you know, I just have to say that there is a great bunch of people out here. Amazing. Here we go. <laughs> anyway, um, when I was asking the Lord what I should share about, and, and he, uh, he started bringing Abraham to my mind. And uh, so I started reading from the very beginning in Genesis at Abraham and all through the New Testament and uh, about him. And one thing I noticed about him was in the, in the very beginning when God called him out of uh, or I think it was, um, he, Abraham must have had an ear for God. It doesn't really say much about it, but he must have been, you know, I, it, doesn't say, it doesn't say he was listening for God. I think God just spoke to him, but he had an ear to hear, okay? And so he obeyed. And you go through Abraham's life, and, and the thing that sticks out is, that, okay, he, he, uh, he lied to protect his own hide by telling the king in Egypt that his, his, this was his sister. So he lied to save himself but put his wife in jeopardy. And then uh, God didn't rebuke him for that. And I wonder, what's going on here? Well, I mean, you know, he lied. He put Sarah in jeopardy. And okay. And then, uh, and then he goes, uh, and uh, that was when he, when he was Abraham. And then Abraham... But in the midst of this, uh, um, 
or on, on his journeys, uh, Abraham lied again. And same situation. Both times he, he lied and put Sarah in the situation, God didn't rebuke Abraham. He rebuked the kings that his wife was given to. So what you have going on here is a covenant. That's, what, that's why. Okay. So Abraham um, is, uh, has an issue with fear. Must save himself, and uh, um, he kind of. But all along, you know, you read in there and you get this intuition and, and this scene that he's listening to God, that he believes God. I mean, it, it comes out and says these things that that he that he was he he was and and he he loved his family. You can tell that because. When he was sitting in the heat of the day in front of his tent there, he saw these three men and says, he, he knew who they were. They were angels, I believe. They could have been the Trinity, I don't know, but they were three men because he called them Lord. And so, <clears throat> anyway, he invites him in. He's all excited. Sarah, go make this, go make that, go get some calf, kills that, feeds him. And, uh, and, and then the they said that, okay, by this time next year, you're going to have a child. Sarah's, Sarah's laughing. She says, well, I didn't laugh, you know, but she did. And uh, and because of the age that they were at, I mean, it was an impossible thing. And Abraham, uh, okay. And anyway, so he's leaving, and he, and he kind of uh, hears them talking, and they said, should we hide this from Abraham? So he talked about Lot. He talked about Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham's going, Lot's down there. That's his nephew. And so he goes and pleads with the Lord in Lot's behalf. And Lot is saved out of this. But prior to that, how Lot got in, got in Sodom in that area is that um, um, he uh, there was some squabbling between their herds, herdsmen and stuff like and And they're you know, about over water. And he says, uh, Abraham says to Lot, let's not get into this issue here. Let's, you, you pick whichever way you want to go and I'll go the other way. In other words, he deferred to Lot and said, you do whatever you need to do and I'll go and then we'll have peace in our family. That's what it, that's what he was after. And so you kind of go through this and, and uh, eventually um, they have Isaac. But the one thing that I wanted to bring to this and that Abraham had an ear for God. He was listening to God and he believed God. And the ramifications of that, if you look down, here we are today, Abraham's children. And, and we're descendants of Abraham because of faith. And it doesn't matter whether you're Jew or Greek, male or female. It says that we're all one in Christ. So because of of that faith that he uh, demonstrated before us, demonstrated before his family, because of that, we all now have that that opportunity to um, believe God. And in my family, that's kind of how it was with me. I was, I tell people, I was dug out of a pit, and I know I was. I know. And, and I don't blame my, my parents or what they did the best they could with what they had. They weren't, I wasn't brought up in a Christian home. I tell, tell people I was raised heathen, you know, drugs, alcohol, drinking, that kind of thing. That was my family. Um, um, but I love my parents and I don't hold anything against them because I can look back in my life and see, Terry, you rebelled there. You did this, you did that. I had choices. I didn't have to do that. So for me to blame them for all my issues, eh, that doesn't help me at all because I need to own them. I need to say, Lord, forgive me. Well, anyway, so here I am, 25 years old, got married to a great wife, the best. She was the one. In fact, God brought us together. It was a miraculous thing. And I'm, I'm a beneficiary here. So, <laughs> But uh, anyway, he... He brought us together, and here I am, 25 years old, and then and then we had our first child, Erica, and then then Heidi came along a couple of years later, and then Jake, my son, came along 10 years later, and I'm looking at looking at it and said, Lord, I, this is a by the way, this is a 
promise that God fulfilled in my life, which I'm very thankful for. I don't know how to do this because I just don't. And, and so you grow up in through that and God's guiding you through that and you make mistakes and you get up and you dust your pants off and you fall down and you make mistakes and you do things right and you make mistakes. And so in the end of it all, um, God is faithful because, well, you have to say this, he's faithful always. And because I trusted him, it was my benefit because he's faithful. Terry's not so faithful. Terry's not so good. Terry's not so bright. Terry's not so disciplined. It's all those things. You have to say that because I know my life. It's the truth. But God has been faithful to me. And so out of this relationship, I have a daughter who you all know, Heidi. When we, we'll start with Erica because she was the firstborn. We laid hands on, on her. But back then you didn't know if you were getting a male, a, a boy or a girl. You didn't know these things. And, and Lord, I just want a healthy child and I want that child to serve you. We did not have in mind ministry. Whatever serve you serve God. And same with Heidi and Jake came along. And, and we believed the same way with them all. And so God was faithful there. And now we, my daughter, oldest daughter, you know Erica, and uh, the, her husband Dan, and, uh, and Sean and Heidi, all working with the Lord. And my son, I was thinking, I got a chance to help him fix his truck the other day. Actually, I watched him. He's a smart kid, but I watched him fix his truck. But he, <clears throat> he um, is doing, what he's doing makes me very proud. He's working hard. He's being a father to his son and a husband to his wife. Now, some of you fathers know this, that, that the biggest thing, the biggest, when you give your daughter away to somebody, it's the sweetest and the most difficult time of your life. It absolutely is. But when, when you give her away to somebody who loves God more than he loves her, there's such security in that. It's not, it's not foolproof. People still have choices, but there is security in that. And so, anyway, this is basically a rambling testimony of what God will do for you if you trust him. And the, and the, the legacy that's passed down, and now my grandkids. I was very proud of Kylie today. Sorry, Kylie. But, but I was very proud of her today because... Um, and, and there's lots of girls that could do that in here. So it's not, it's not like favoritism. But I watched her. Sean said, here, Kylie, you do this. You just follow along. And she did. And I'm going, yes, Lord. That's part of the testimony. That's part of the legacy. That's part of, of my family learning how to hear God and obey God. And the ramifications of that, the, the, what comes out of that, I'm expecting for generations. So, yes, you know it's it's great when there was an alcoholic, then the child gets saved, and now that stops. And what the devil thought he was doing, urch. How about one more? Have you got anything yet? If you haven't, we'll wake you up. All right, so last but certainly not least, Mr. Herb first, would you come, sir, and share with us? They've all gone over 10 minutes, <laughs> but this is really setting a great standard for me later. <laughs> Just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> well, praise God. I got this. But Leanne, when she was here, taught us, just please don't draw on me too much because uh, there's a rumor out I could be long-winded. So as I was praying and asking God, what, what do I share about you or, or fathers? And, and he said, uh, talk about my attributes. And I thought, well, I don't have that kind of time uh, to get all of them, right? I mean, originally when, when Sean called, I thought he said 57 minutes. 
but what he said was five to seven minutes. So, uh, you know, how your mind works when you, when you hear something. I was thinking, why was he so exact at 57 minutes? What could I say in 57 that I couldn't say in 56 or 58? <laughs> Anyhow, um, as I was praying about it, this scripture came, and uh, I wanted to share it with you. Uh, this is Psalms 103, and I'm reading out of the New American Standard Version. And we're going to, originally I was going to go over quite a few verses, but... Um, because we have five to seven minutes, so we're just going to cover a couple. Uh, so verse 10 says, He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. You know, I'm so thankful that God has more patience with me than I sometimes have with my kids and grandkids. So, you know, I am growing, I am exercising, I'm uh, working that patience. But I'm so thankful that God with us uh, as fathers, as mothers, as Christians is patient with us. That he doesn't expect us to be 100% all the time. He'd like us to be, but uh, he is so good and, and has so much mercy. And then verse 11 says, For high are the heavens above the earth, so great his, loved, his loving kindness towards those who fear him. You know, God's mercies are out of this world. Think about the heavens. The Bible talks about three different heavens, one being kind of the clouds, the other being the solar system, the stars, and then the third heaven being where he reigns. And I think this verse is referring to the second heaven, that when we look into the stars and we look into the night sky and we see the great expanse, uh, they tell us the universe is still moving out. I haven't been able to prove or disprove it. I just got to believe them, right? Uh, you know, God said, let there be light, and it's still going. He, he never said light halt at a certain place. So his mercies are out of this world. They're much higher, much bigger, much more merciful than, than, uh, than I could expect. But I am grateful for it. I'm thankful for his goodness. Uh, and verse 12 says, for as far as the east is from the west, so he has removed our transgressions from us. Did you know that from the North Pole to the South Pole, it's approximately 12,440 miles? Put that into, into Google or, you know, your smart, ask Siri or Alexis, and that's what you'll get. If you ask them how far it is from the east to the west, uh, it kind of goes goofy on you. <laughs> <clears throat> And it'll start bringing up stuff about time zones and how many time zones there are. Because even, you know, when the Holy Spirit inspired David to write this 3,500 years ago, um, God knew that they couldn't locate the east and you couldn't locate the west. And that's how big his mercies are and how much he forgives us. Uh, and that's how we should be towards one another. Sometimes in, in life we do things... Uh, Unintentionally, we may hurt one another when, we, when they ask for forgiveness from us or we ask forgiveness from them. Let's extend that same kind of mercy. Let's put it behind us and forget about it. And if the enemy brings it up and tries to torment you with, they did this, they did that, no, I forgave them. And use your faith on it. And even though sometimes those emotions, you'll, you'll kind of get some of that stirring in you, by faith, no, I forgave them. And then verse 13, just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. God's very compassionate to us. Yeah, we won't go there, but in Luke 11, 11 through 13, Jesus talks about God being a good father. And if a good father can give good gifts on this earth, how much more? How much more does God love us and want to see us succeed and want to see us do good things in our lives. And he just loves us so much. Amen. Well, would you stand with me, please, this morning? Man, take the nuggets. That was all so good. I, I had this thought come to me when uh, Herb was sharing about God's compassion and everything. You know, sometimes people say, well, I've let God down. You're not holding him up. Yeah. <laughs> right? 
I mean, I've heard that before, but I, I just had that go through me, even with the characteristics of God and the compassion, the mercy. Gentlemen, you're going to have to stop the record player of the enemy. Shut it off. Declare yourself a man of God and stand. And go back to that scripture and people say, what? But I failed. I'm okay with you acknowledging that you failed. I'm not okay with you meditating it. Acknowledge of failure is part of repentance. I understand that. But don't meditate on it. If you play that record over and over again, you'll never grow. And you'll never become what you've already been created to be. Father, we give you honor and glory this morning. Thank you, Father, for these men that spoke. We receive the words that you've spoken through them. Thank you, Lord, for this church. And thank you for the faithful men to you that are in this place. Lord, I know that as we continue to follow you and serve you, we will become and walk through and finish all that you've created us to do and to be. We acknowledge it. We thank you for it. You are the greatest, Father. And we give you the honor and the glory this morning. But we thank you, Lord. I bless the fathers. I say you are strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Go and be doers, not just hearers only. In Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Enjoy your afternoon. Don't forget Wednesday night we have youth. And we'll see you next Sunday. If you need prayer for anything or anything like that, altar care will be up here. So God bless you. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.